think the three easiest things you can do as an athlete is to hydrate, get eight hours of sleep and, and eat right, especially at the level that I'm at. These kids get fed two meals a day on campus by a, an executive chef who's got 30 years of, of experience in doing what he's doing. I mean, I get the food there and, and it's the best meal you can get in town. And these kids take it for granted, stay up late playing video games and stuck to their phones and don't understand what hydration is and how easy that is. If you just, you know, if, if you hydrate, you eat and you sleep, you know, LeBron can spend millions of dollars a year on recovery. You can't spend millions of dollars a year, but you can certainly spend eight hours a night sleeping, hydrating and, and eating right. Making an Athlete, a show about athletes, coaches, scouts, trainers, and the stories behind their careers and what it takes to build yours. Welcome to Making an Athlete podcast. I'm Ty Davis, and on today's show, we talk to professional athletic trainer Sam Gay and the importance of injury rehab, both physically and mentally. Educated and experienced in a wide variety of sports, Sam brings perspective from the time he spent with the NFL San Francisco 49ers, Utah State, University of the Pacific, and now with Washington State University. All right, thank you, Sam, for joining us today. Um, Sam, once you tell a little bit of, about your background, um, where you are now, and uh, what what got you to... Um, your career and being an athletic trainer. Sure. I'm Sam Gay. I'm uh, originally from Port Angeles, Washington. Uh, I went to Eastern Washington University for undergrad. Um, had a fraternity brother that was in the athletic training program. I didn't know what, what an athletic trainer was. I got hurt playing some basketball and uh, he taped up my ankle and kind of explained the program and what the difference between athletic training and physical therapy is. Uh, got me interested in it. Um, applied and got accepted into the program and finished the program, went to Utah State for graduate school. I worked uh, track and field, cross country my first year and football my second year before moving out to the Bay Area. Uh, spent a year as an intern with the 49ers and then uh, luckily got to meet Ty Davis. My uh, first Division One job at University of the Pacific where I worked women's volleyball and baseball for two years before going back to Utah State to work men's basketball um, spent three years there, um, and then was lucky enough to move back to Washington. And uh, currently, the men's basketball athletic trainer at Washington State University, and I also um, in charge of men's and women's golf. Um, yeah, been married for uh, almost nine years and have three kids. Keep me real busy, so life is good. So, want to kind of talk a little bit about um, the athletic training viewpoint and what you see athletes and what you've seen um even at that professional level with the, the san francisco 49ers uh but first when i kind of go back to your childhood and, and sports and um what sports did you play uh, what was you know your favorite sport to play or did you play multiple and talk about sure. that uh growing up um we were a baseball family um you know i was a kid long before um NBA was a big thing on TV. It was pretty much the Knicks on Sundays after church if I wanted to watch by myself. But we we had the Mariners. Um, we were always watching the Mariners. Um, so I grew up, I'm the fourth boy. Um, we all played on the same Little League team. Not together, but... Um, so baseball was, baseball was the big sport. Did all the Summer League All-Star stuff. Um, also played basketball. 
Um, and then in, in high school, played tennis, our catcher. I was a pitcher and a first baseman, our catcher, and I decided to turn off for the tennis team. So we, we played tennis in the fall. Um, then I did basketball in the winter and baseball in the spring. All right. Uh, Griffey, your favorite player? Uh, Griffey's for sure. He's up there. Um, I always, I've always wanted to get a Mariners jersey. I never have because I don't know if I'd get Griffey or um, Edgar Martinez or Randy Johnson or Ichiro. Um, definitely, A-Rod count. Definitely not A-Rod. Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably Griffey. It was fun. I got to take my son to his first Mariners game this past season and um, walking into Safeco Field is pretty awesome and, and teaching him about Griffey and meeting the Mariners Moose was a, was a pretty cool experience. That's awesome. Griffey still has my favorite swing ever. Hands down. Hands down. Um, so during, during that time, you know, in youth sports, were you mostly, you know, exposed to just, uh, was there travel sports around or was it mostly just like literally and high school? And that was pretty much what, what was available. Like for me, I, I lived in a small rural town, so I didn't have really travel sports available to me because it wasn't a, it wasn't a thing yet. It was kind of bigger in the city, like the big cities had it, but I had like American Legion baseball that was around. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm also from a small town. I think small town Washington's probably a little bit smaller than small town California. We'll have to talk numbers here, but uh, no, we did we had little league baseball and and we have a little league all star team. Um, thinking about AAU, how big that is. I work basketball now, so AAU is huge. But, um, you know, if we wanted to do an AAU, like I remember a few times where I got asked if I wanted to go play in an AAU tournament. And it was like, hey, we're leaving tomorrow to go to Seattle to play in this tournament. You want to play? We never practiced. We never did anything. Um, I think that, you know, I'm not going to say that I was a great basketball player. Um, so I think the, the couple in my hometown that were would would go over to Seattle and play AAU basketball. But no, being from a small town, um, it wasn't it wasn't much. Played Bay, Junior Babe Ruth and Babe Ruth, um, and we had a, a summer league team that was sponsored by a car dealership. And um, you know, we'd win state and we'd go to regionals. We had some teams go to the World Series from our hometown. So, but nothing nothing major like the big cities have with multiple teams and tournaments and, and differently now. And that, that's kind of a big part of, of this podcast is, is talking about that, that youth generation. And now with the availability of stuff like AAU and all these different travel components, um, in addition to little league and all these different sorts, um, as an athletic trainer, I want to kind of talk about, um, injury prevention and injuries that, uh, start at the youth age and then, you know, all the way up to some common things that you see or, or how people, you know, what to expect coming into the college level. And even if someone's lucky enough to make that professional level. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's people out there that are doing the research and I'm, I'm not going to claim to be one of them. And um, I know what I've read and, and seen on sports center and that type of stuff. And, and, and the thing that, that seems to be recommended more than others is, um, breaking apart the monotony of playing the same sport, you know, coaches. And, you know, I feel like urban Meyer has been quoted as saying that he's going to, you know, recruit multi-sport athletes. And, and, you know, I even remember when I was at Utah state working football, uh, being part of a, a Utah state football competition where they did a, a bunch of different things. And one of them was basketball and, and seeing how good, I mean, there's guys that, are, that play football at the division one level that could certainly help, 
a lot of Division One basketball teams around the country, um, and I'm sure you could say the same thing for baseball. But I think getting kids, um, you know, I, I know people who have kids that just focus on the one sport and one sport only, and trying to get their kid to the professional levels in that sport, um, as opposed to you know avoiding the burnout and avoiding the the overuse injuries of of playing baseball, you know, 12 months a year if you're living in a climate that can. Um, so I would just back up what, what coaches and what the people doing out the research out there are saying is um, break up the seasons, play different sports, try new things. Don't play, um, you know, if you're a baseball player, don't play baseball all spring and then all summer and then play fall ball somewhere, but, but try to tr- other sports and give your body different training loads and that type of stuff. Okay. That's a common, I mean, in the, in the coaches that we've had on so far, I think that the common theme that I've said around, um, play multiple sports. Many of them play multiple sports and they still preach, you know, youth athletes or young athletes testing out different sports, not just going all in on one right away. Um, with, and this is, I know this can go on for a, a, a while if I were to choose like every single sport, but with this, the sports that you um, have specialized in or, or been a part of, so baseball, volleyball, um, golf and a few others and let's start with like baseball and just talk about you know what are common injuries that you you see in baseball um and then we don't have to get into like the very specifics of like this is how you rehab but just what are some common things you're seeing with overhand sports like baseball and volleyball i think that the the rotator cuff is probably the first thing that jumps out at me but it, it kind of also depends on the position they play um you know, in my two years of baseball, I had a handful of pitchers that had elbow issues. Um, I had a handful of position players that had some, you know, shoulder stuff. Um, whether that's acute type stuff from diving for a ball and subluxing their shoulder, diving into a base, subluxing their shoulder. Um, but I had I had a, a gamut of injuries when I was at Pacific with with uh, low back herniations in their discs. I had. Um, a handful of shoulder injuries, a, bu- a bunch of broken bones, a lot of wrong place, wrong time type things. Um, but that's the thing about athletics is you, you're going to, there's going to be different kinds of injuries in different sports. And um, obviously working basketball now, um, we have a ton of ankle injuries. Um, you know, thankfully I haven't had a ton of bad knee injuries, um, but you're going to get shoulder injuries from guys falling, guys' um, arms getting pulled back or, or pulled down while they're going up for a rebound. Um, but I just think that, uh, you know, the guys that, that focus on recovery get a lot less overuse injuries. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that I would preach to an up-and-coming um, kid that wants to get into sports is, is taking care of their body. Um, I think the three easiest things you can do as an athlete is to hydrate, get eight hours of sleep and, and eat right, especially at the level that I'm at. These kids get fed two meals a day on campus by a, um, an executive chef who's got 30 years of, of experience in doing what he's doing. I mean, I get the food there and, and it's the best meal you can get in town and these kids take it for granted. Um, stay up late playing video games and stuck to their phones and, um, and don't understand what hydration is and how easy that is if you just you know, if, if you hydrate, you eat and you sleep, um, you know, LeBron can spend millions of dollars a year on recovery. You can't spend millions of dollars a year, but you can certainly spend eight hours a night sleeping, hydrating and, and eating right. So, yeah. I mean, when I talked to, uh, we had, 
uh, Tony Sandoval on, he had talked about, you know, his experience as a strength trainer and uh, how much he couldn't believe uh, how many of these division one athletes, not even division one athletes, but athletes in general just miss breakfast altogether and then go straight into training and, and wonder why they're, they're tired or they're exhausted. Yeah. You see it a lot, uh, especially with Tony. I imagine, uh, you know, the guys that have 5am, 6am, 7am workouts, they're, you know, rolling out of bed, coming to the weight room. Um, you know, we've got the, the training, the fueling station in the weight room where they're going to try to pound a bagel and, and think that that's going to be enough to get them through a, a 60 minute workout. And it's just not. Yeah. You talk about, you know, focusing on recovering from injuries, but what is, what is a mental approach sometimes that you see, or even emotional that you see with these athletes? Cause obviously I'm an athlete. I'm on scholarship. I want to get back out there. Like I got to prove myself. I got to make sure that I'm staying on scholarship and I'll just fight through this injury. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I think that the most important aspect of my job is building rapport is, is making sure that these guys can trust me, making sure that they know that I trust them. And, and it's a, a good relationship back and forth between the two of us. Um, every single one of the guys on the team spends time in my office talking. Um, I try to get to know them. I try to make sure they know that I truly care about them as people, um, as students and then as athletes. But, um, the, the mental side of it is huge. Um, we've got a, a pretty recent history of some mental stuff at Washington state and, and we have a great mental health team here. And, um, we've got injury support groups that meet once a week where any student athlete at any part of their injury process can meet with other student athletes that are hurt. Um, and just talk with our mental health team, with our physical therapists and anybody else that's involved in those meetings. You know, I think that it's also my job, um, to make sure that I'm communicating with coach to make sure that coach knows if, if, you know, there's going to be guys that are hurt and there's going to be guys that think they're hurt and, and it's up to me and to differentiate between the two of those things and, and communicate that with coach. And so coach knows that, that it's my opinion that he can push them through some things or coach knows that it's my opinion that we got to pull the reins back a little bit on certain guys. Um, but if I'm communicating with the coach and, and the student athlete knows that I'm communicating with the coach, then, that takes some of the pressure off the student athlete to put all those burdens on their shoulders and worry about their scholarship and their playing time. And, um, you know, because if they're at this level, um, if they're an important part of the team, the coach is going to know that. Um, and we, we try to make sure that just like every other team that, you know, an injury is not going to take a kid's starting, starting spot, um, as much as we can, as minutes played or as minutes played and he, or he earns them. Um, we have a great system here as, as far as what you've got to do to earn those minutes from the coaching standpoint that I think is great. Um, but if I'm communicating with the coaching staff and the strength staff and everybody's on the same page, um, they're going to know that, that the kid's not really faking it, that the kid's um, being honest with me. And that takes a ton of pressure off the student athlete to, to focus on getting better. Um, you know, we try to travel kids as much as possible to keep them with team, even if they're hurt. Um, obviously if they're post-surgical and they're staying home, they've got to do the rehab. There's certain things that I can't do on the road that they can get, get done while they're at home. But, um, as much as we can keep them together, so they're part of the team, um, when I've got them at practice, I've got them doing the stuff, but if they're in between sets with me or taking a break, I make sure they're down with the team and, and helping coach or being next to coach. So coach knows that they're still fully engaged, that it happens too often where we're, kids are hurt and they're just sitting off to the side and um 
So I try to make sure they, they stay down with the team if the team's on the other side of the court doing the drills and make sure they're actively engaged. With with the resource, so you talk about like, a, a, you know, at Washington State, right, and there's a lot of resources available and every school's different. You know, I can imagine from you know, like a Pacific versus a Washington State or Division Two or Division Three or NAIA resources are different. Um, and for a lot of uh, parents and kids, unless you go to, you know, the, a very lucky or very um, well-prepared high school that has an ATC on hand during that process. What, what is something that parents can look out for or young athletes can look out for as they're playing in lower levels um, in terms of if, you know, I have an, I feel like I have an injury aside from like the obvious of a broken bone or something, but let's just say, you know, overuse, um, what are any of these small, and I know it varies for sports, but at least, um, you know, what are some tell signs that maybe a young athlete is trying to play through a, an injury just to keep playing? Uh, it's tough. It's tough. That's a tough question to answer because, because so much of it is going to be situationally based where, you know, what part of the body, how old is it? Um, I don't have a ton of experience with adolescents, with high school age kids. Um, by the time that, that I, become familiar with them. They're usually pretty close to the end of their growth. Um, unless it's coaches, kids that I see from a handful of times. Um, but I would, you know, the, the one thing that I was thinking of while you were asking that question is, is the internet and how dangerous the internet can be. Um, cause the first thing mom and dad are going to do, um, is, is look up, you know, different things that it can be. Um, and sometimes the internet can be pretty dangerous in terms of, you know, oh, you're going to go cool. down a rabbit hole and you're going to, think your kid needs surgery and um yeah but i but i think that that i'd rather tell a parent or, or a kid to err on the side of caution um you know if, if if they've got something going on um a lot of times with um certainly at my the level that i'm at if a kid's got a pain that that's there um before practice and after they get warmed up, they don't feel it as much. They don't feel it at all while they're playing. And then this starts to come back. That's um, typically a tendon issue where there's some type of apathy going on, whether that's tendonitis or tendinosis to where um, that area doesn't get a lot of blood supply. So it's going to hurt when they're getting warmed up and then it's going to feel fine when they're, when they're going. Um, and those types of things can be treated with consistent ice, consistent stretching, consistent strengthening, strengthening. Right. Um, but it's tough. Like I said, it's, it's, you know, there's different areas of the body that produce different things, but uh, you know, I think that a, a good rule of thumb would be, um, you know, if, if something's not better, um, you know, maybe after the practice or what have you, and and they hit it with some ice, and the next day it's still the same or it's worse. Maybe take a couple of days off, and if a couple of days off, especially with a young athlete, um, their body heals a lot faster than it does um, the older athletes too, but. Um, just got to be careful with um, pushing through for an extended period of time. Um, you know, the AAU tournament or this weekend game is super important, but, um, you know, unless they're senior in high school, they're looking for that scholarship, that coach to come find you. Um, I'd probably err on the side of caution and, and try to yeah. avoid pumping kids full Common of anti-inflammatories like Advil and that type of stuff. That being said, I, you know, I played in baseball tournaments where I popped the Advil and rubbed the icy hot on my elbow so I can make it through. So yeah, it's different for me uh, to say now right than I was 16, 17, 18 years old. You know, I had 
elbow hurt in between innings, but when I went out there and adrenaline and it, uh, you know, it went away when I was, when I was pitching, but the, mm-hmm. the days after weren't as good, um, you know, trying to feel good enough to throw the next day or, or a couple of days after yeah. that. Um, when, you know, and again, these are, a lot of these are, are situational as well, but we're talking about just basic steps, um, you know, that you talked about, I know you talked about hydration, um, sleep and eating, but prevention of injury, um, you know, what, what things are, are that can be done for the prevention of injury for someone's sport? Obviously we all know that, you know, like stretching is a big thing. Um, that's a whole nother topic in terms of what kind of stretching and between, you know, what you guys uh, as ATCs, um, preach and prevention, and, and then there's someone like I, Tony who may have, you know, for strength and conditioning, some kind of stretch routine in, but, um, if there is an approach for prevention of injury, what is the, the common, um, guidance that's, that's provided? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say, you know, stretching was the first thing that came into my mind. Um, you know, eating, sleeping and hydrating is the key, but, um, Doing it, you know, when you get to a certain age and it's safe for your body to start lifting weights, I think getting a good strength um, is good while keeping um, the range of motion, um, making sure that when you are lifting, you're going through full ranges of motion, making sure when you're stretching, you're, you're doing it properly. Yeah, I think one of the best things to do is to make sure you're, you're warm before you do anything. If you're going to go out and play basketball, soccer, baseball, tennis, you know, whatever, make sure that you're, you know, you're not just going to step on the basketball court and, and start getting into a full pickup game or full practice, making sure you're, you're warm, you're sweaty, um, making sure, like I talked about, those, those tendons that don't get a ton of blood supply, making sure those get some heating from the inside out um, can, can kind of help and make sure your, your strength ratios are good from hamstrings to quads to make sure that, that everything's going in the proper direction and everything's moving properly. Full range of motion, like I said, in the weight room is key. But I think, you know, anything that Tony said is, is good. Those guys do a ton of research on um, that type of stuff. And, and I'm pretty fortunate that I've had some phenomenal... I've actually worked with Tony um, pretty young in my career. I'd love to work with him again now that I'm not some, you know, young professional that I've got a little bit of experience under my belt. Um, but I've been in some good positions to have some great strength coaches to work with. And I think that certainly at this level, I know that this is all about, you know, young student athletes. but um, I got to give a plug to my strength coaches I've worked with that have been real good. So, of course, I mean you guys work hand in hand together, and uh, and and making sure that the athletes are you know, um, strong enough and, and able to you know sustain or, or never not sustain but prevent injuries. And then if they do, you're there. And yeah. to, I mean, I think that that Tony and the strength staff. That's you know they do a lot more injury prevention than, than we do. Um, one thing that I've, that I've seen at Washington state is, is, you know, it's probably not just here obviously, but you know, every strength coach and part of their workout plan is, you know, their daily stuff. There's a prehab portion of it. Um, you know, it's super key for a young female soccer player specifically, let's say, um, doing some, some ACL prevention stuff, some landing, some jumping, some making sure that our mechanics are right. Um, you know, just because certain populations are predisposed to injury more than others. So makes sense. So you, you've had experience at, at the, the collegiate level and the professional level. I mean, you're looking at 
the San Francisco 49ers, that type of athlete versus a college athlete. Um, what are the, the major differences in um, what made them able to get to that level? Sure. I mean, I think work ethic is, is up there. Um, you know, it's, it's, I've been out of football for a number of years, but you know, it's easy to, to talk basketball now, but those are the guys that are in the gym a lot. Um, they're, they're the ones that you're going to go in the weight room and watch their lifts and see if they're going hard every time. Um, they trust the the people that are um, in the roles like the strength staff that they know what they're doing. Um, uh, you know, one thing that, that stands that stood out with the NFL guys is they take care of their bodies. They, you know, practice ends, they do whatever they can to make sure they're recovered for the next day. Um, you know, I think when you get to that level, um, the, the coaching staff's got it kind of figured out. They're not banging against each other five days a week before Sundays. So, um, but I think work ethic um, and, and really doing a good job of taking care of their bodies is, is obviously they've got some natural talent and, and all that stuff that's, you know, non-coachable, but um, always wanted some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't we all, but you know, I think the difference between the, you know, guys at that level versus college is, you know, when you're, when you're working football at a college level, you know, everybody thinks they're the NFL guy. They've all got the, the ego and then they're just trying to go out and show everybody how good they are. But when you get to the NFL level, those are the guys that have made it. Now they're just worried about, um, you know, they're not worried about talking. They're worried about going out there and showing because, you know, every year they're going to draft somebody that's coming to replace you and you've got to, you know, step your level up. And, um, so I've, I've, I mean, I have personal experience and I know a lot of people that have worked at that level that just, um, when you get to the professional level, those, they were all good guys. They were all hard workers. They treated you with respect. Um, they're not worried about impressing anybody by, by talking. They're worried about going out there and showing that they're still the best position or the best player on their position on the team. And, and this 22 year old rookie is not going to come take their spot. So you mentioned the the word I I just you said you said professional they work on your professional level and that kind of made me think about a question um, that you have now athletes at the college level and I'm curious because um, this question does come up a lot from parents and especially now have things have slightly you know changed to, uh, compared to what it was 30 40 years ago um, in involvement. Uh, when it comes to athletes' injuries at the college level, what kind of involvement does a parent have um, with that athlete? Or is that something that's there's no involvement and it's more of like that communication is done through a coach? So at the collegiate level, these eight, these, if, if they're 18 years or older, then um, I've got to have the student-athlete's permission to talk to their parents about anything. Um, and I ask for that because I think it's, I think it's a good idea to keep parents um, up to date. Um, I've never had a student athlete tell me, no, I don't want you to talk to my parents. Um, when I first got the job at Washington State, Ernie Kent was a head coach and he, you know, he preached making sure we talk, tell the parents, keep the parents involved, which I think is a good thing. Um, so there's a handful of guys that I've got their parents' cell phone numbers saved in my phone and, and, and the guys say, hey, you know, whatever happens, make sure you, you know, I give you permission to let my parents know. Um, some parents are pretty hands off. Um, some parents go straight to the doctors and, and keep me out of it. Um, so I think it's a, you know, 
there's some some ends of both sides um, as far as parent involvement goes. Some are a little bit helicoptery and some aren't. So, um, but I just think that you know it goes back to relationships that I've created with the kids and and making sure that I'm communicating with the kids and making sure that I'm communicating with the parents because if I'm um, if I've got the permission of the student athlete to communicate with their parents, then I'll tell them everything and and you know that helps my relationship with their kid and and the parents' relationship with the university and the coaching staff. And um, so it all comes back to communication. So I like that approach. Um, as we were, we're headed into the tail end here, um, I'm going to have a couple questions I do with everyone. That's just a speed round there. It's more of a fun thing. But before going in that, just kind of want to have a general question of uh, anything I didn't ask or, or talk about from your perspective as an ATC, you know, what is something that someone should know going into college, um, you know, about injury or anything that I may not have touched on? Yeah. I mean, I would just say to, to, you know, communicate to, to get to know your athletic trainer where, you know, I have a different relationship with a student athlete than anybody on campus does. Um, you know, we're with the students, um, from the time they get injured to the time they get back out on the field and, and, you know, nobody's going to spend as much time with them as we do. Um, so we've got different relationships, you know, I'd argue that I know more about the basketball team here than the strength staff would, or the academics people would, um, you know, I know a lot about their family, their history and all that stuff. And I think that that's, I think from a self promoting standpoint, I think that we, um, it's a great profession. Um, we're a great resource for the students. Um, I've helped students with their homework. I've helped students with their mental health to my best of my ability. Um, not everybody wants to talk to a psychologist, but they're comfortable talking to me and I, um, try to give the best advice I can. I'm a, an ear, um, when they just need to vent. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that if you're a, a young student going to college and there's an athletic trainer, I would, um, I would, certainly tell you to go get to know them. Um, we're great resources. Um, you know, I've, I've helped guys with their relationships, uh, given advice. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's being a collegiate athlete, something that I wish I would have done, wasn't good enough to do it, but I think that it's a, um, it's a pretty great opportunity and, and take full advantage of it, but it's not easy. Um, you got to work hard, you're not going to be handed a lot of stuff. So put the time in, put the effort in and work hard. Yeah. And I can, I mean, I'll second what you say in terms of, you know, ATCs for me were, I mean, so important. And when the injuries that I, I had in college and, and building out that relationship with the, um, an athletic trainer, um, I, you weren't, you came in when I was doing uh, grad school there. So I never got the, uh, the luxury of, of having you um, as an ATC, but the ones that I did, even at the junior college level, um, were amazing and and um, it really did teach me things that I never would have you know thought of in terms of being prepared to go out you know had resources available that would help me with like a rotator cuff stretching and everything um, prior to pitching was great. Um, Just goes back to that point I was talking about about making sure you're warmed up before you go out there and play. Yeah, it does. I did. Case in point. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so on the speed round, it's a couple of questions. You just have to give me a sentence or an answer. Um, so favorite athlete uh, role model growing up? Probably have to go Griffey. Griffey. Uh, favorite, um, favorite moment from when you were playing sports? 
uh, as a kid? Anything that sticks out like that? Awesome. Uh, I mean, I, I I think when I was 16, um, I got to pitch in the uh, Junior Bay Ruth State Championship game in Moses Lake, Washington, and I was the pitcher, and we won to send us to Calgary to play in regionals. So that was pretty fun. That's awesome. Um, her favorite professional sports you or for, sorry professional sports moment you ever got to watch doesn't have to be uh, because you have a little bit more exposure to in person with certain teams. Sure, no, I would say uh, ninety five Mariners um, playing the Yankees. Uh, Griffey's on. I think he's on first base. Edgar hits a double down the left field line in the Kingdom. Uh, Griffey slides home just before the throw. Mariners win. Kingdom goes bananas. I had a shirt of the dog pile at home plate. Um, still watch the video from time to time. Still get goosebumps. I remember that. I know that video clearly. I don't remember the actual moment, but I know I've seen that 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 video a couple of times, especially yeah. Griffey. The one thing I used to watch uh, was uh, the game that Griffey and his dad hit a home run in. Yeah. Um, I always used to watch that on my my 95 Windows computer. Yeah, back in the early 2000s. But uh, Sam Gay, I appreciate you taking time um, to talk about uh, athletic training and and the relationships I have with uh, athletics in general uh, around collegiate and professional. I appreciate your time. Um, Thank you for coming on and uh, have a good season next season when it rolls back around. And um, I'll, uh, yeah, fingers crossed uh, with everything going on right now, but um, I'll be coming out too. the Cal game. <laughs> Thanks, Ty. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Making an Athlete podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor. Check us out at makinganathlete.com. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to catch our next episode.